0: Praise God for that special music. Thank you. Good morning and happy Sabbath. It's good to see all of you here this morning. How's everyone doing? Are you blessed? I praise God for the Sabbath. Just a little introduction. My name is Philippe Ferreira. And I come, actually, I currently live in Sunnyvale, California. Just around the Bay Area. My wife and I. Um, we actually, I'm actually a Bible worker for the Mountain View Japanese Church in California. And uh, matter of fact, my wife used to attend this church a couple of years ago, and uh, it was Pastor Atterbury that married us about a year ago, in April. And uh, so it is a privilege. I think I visited my second time visiting here. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning, and to break the Word of God. And I just ask that you invite you to bow your heads with me for an added word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in, with hearts full of thanksgiving, grateful for you being our God and for providing all our needs, not only our physical, but most of all, our spiritual salvation. And so we come to sit at your feet this morning to hear a word from you. Speak to our hearts and hide me in the cleft of the rock is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at Christ's ministry, it was filled with preaching, teaching, and healing. And it was many times through the physical healing that Christ was able to reach the spiritual need of those individuals. And I don't know about you, but... Amidst all the chaos that is happening in our world today, I just love to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so this morning I invite you to join with me on a journey to sit at Jesus' feet and to observe our Lord and Savior as He worked and as He ministered. And so I invite you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 5, where we find the subject matter for this story John chapter 5. And starting with verse 1. John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, and then John. John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. The Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This story begins with the background that The Jews were coming together for their feast. Another name for this feast was the Passover feast. You know, when you think about this grand event, all the Jews from all corners of the earth would come to celebrate this Passover feast. It is almost equivalent to when all the Adventists from around the world come, as we did last year, in Atlanta, Georgia, for the general conference session. It was a huge event, a time of rejoicing, a time of praise, of redefining our purpose and our mission as Adventists. And for the Jews, this was a time of celebration. Of course, also a solemn time, because the Paschal Lamb was to be slain, representing Christ as the Lamb that was to be slain for the sins of the world. And Jesus was living during this time, and the Bible says that during that time, Jesus, with all the other Jews, he went to Jerusalem. And then we read in verse 2, then the Bible says, Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. The Bible gives us a little bit more description that there was a certain sheep Market, And next to that sheep's market, there was a pool of Bethesda. And you can imagine with me, all those individuals must have been gathering there in Jerusalem, and the sheep market must have been packed. Because it is the Passover, they are to gather their lamb. And they are to offer that lamb for the sins that they had committed. And right there next to that sheep market, very interesting, is that pool of Bethesda. If you actually look at the Greek, that word Bethesda actually means house of mercy. Where do we find mercy in the Old Testament? Where was the presence of God found in the Old Testament? It was in the sanctuary. And there in the most holy place was the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And it was the presence of God that was over that. Where God's presence is, there in the most holy place, was a symbol of God's throne. At God's throne, we find mercy. And God extends that mercy and He calls us to be bearers of that mercy, doesn't He not? In Matthew chapter 5, He says, Blessed are the merciful. And so we actually find here that this Bethesda represents actually God's people. We could say this actually could be His church. We are to be bearers of mercy, representatives of Christ. The Jews understood the meaning of the Passover. They were there all gathering together, and it's very interesting, as they're gathering to celebrate the Passover, Jesus was really celebrating the spiritual meaning of the Passover. He wasn't actually, in this case, there at the temple. He was actually in the house of mercy. He was looking out for individuals. And we continue reading on in our story the type of people that was there in, chapter, in verse 3. The Bible says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of water. Here, around this pool, there was all sorts of people around there. Many that were sick, and the Bible uses very specific words to describe those that were sick. The Bible says there was three groups of people. What were they? They were blind, they were halt, and they were withered. Now, you may wonder, why does the Bible use these specific words? There is actually a reason if you think about it, if this represents the church, the house of mercy that we should be, this would represent the people that are existing in the church. Apply it, those that are spiritually blind, those that are spiritually halt, those that are spiritually limping. If you actually look at the original word for the word blind, it comes from the word tufu. It means to inflate with self-conceit and prideful. There may be some in our church, and back then, Jesus saw individuals that were not only literally blind, but he saw those that were spiritually blind. Because of their own self-conceit, and their pride, it was blocking their view. And so we find that the first group of people, and all around Jesus, the Pharisees had that type of attitude, Oh, I am better than those publicans and those sinners. We find one group of people, but the Bible also says there were those that were limping. Maybe some are not prideful, but there are some that are barely making it. Those that are limping, are, they're walking, but they have a limp. They're trying, they're dragging maybe their foot, but nevertheless, they're still walking. Maybe there are some of you that feel like that. You're barely hanging on today in church. You're barely holding on, but nevertheless, you're fighting it. You're walking the journey. And then we find the third group of people the withered. These are those that have been dried up. How do you become dried up? How do you dry fruits or vegetables? Through heat, right? Or through fire. Spiritually, what does fire represent? the trials of our faith. Maybe some of us have been overwhelmed with the trials and the experiences, the afflictions that maybe surround us. And so, Jesus sees you there as well. He sees those of us that feel like giving up because the burdens that we have had to carry or the trials are just too much to bear. This group may have been discouraged of things that they may have experienced But nevertheless, God sees these individuals. He sees them there in the house of mercy, there around the pool of Bethesda. And then there may be a group that's not mentioned here in God's church that may be feeling that they are perfectly perfect, that they are like Laodicea, not in need of anything. But nevertheless, the invitation I bring to you this morning is we all need to see our great physician. Jesus Christ, even Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. The church, as we see, is like a hospital, full of different groups of people, all needing help from the great physician. And then I want you to continue with me in verse 4. So we see the background This is a literal story, but we see many valuable applications to us today. Sometimes we read these stories and think, this has nothing to do with me. But I urge us to look a little deeper, and then we find here in verse 4, all these people were waiting for the moving of water, and then the Bible says in verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of water stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. What were the people waiting for? They were all waiting for the water to move. Only those that were strong enough could push out. You can imagine the chaos when they saw maybe the wind come through and they could feel it and then they knew that it was going to touch that water and and they they couldn't wait to touch that water so that they could experience some healing. And those that were a little stronger could push off the other one and can you imagine there was blind people there too so the blind man is trying and then he steps over and he trips over the individual and it was probably chaos and finally someone falls into the water and boom they were healed these individuals here in this pool of Bethesda were looking for healing that came via the moving of water could this represent individuals maybe even myself that comes to church to the house of mercy, looking for the moving of water. Maybe to hear some moving message to move my heart because I haven't been fed prior to my coming to church on Sabbath. Maybe I haven't been moved by the power of the Holy Spirit every day of the week, so I demand some powerful discussion in Sabbath school maybe some powerful illustration or message that the pastor will bring to us. These individuals were looking and waiting for the moving of water so they could experience the healing. And Then the Bible says in verse 5, And a certain man. Out of all the individuals, there was a certain man that Jesus brings our attention attention to. A certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Can you imagine being sick thirty-eight years? I've been sick in the past. I've had my share of of hospital visits. But I can't imagine thirty-eight years of my life. I haven't even reached that age yet. But thirty-eight years having This sickness. And then the Bible says in verse 6, When Jesus saw him lie. Out of all the people in the group, Jesus sees this one man. Jesus sees you and I today in misery. And then the Bible continues on and says, And knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Jesus knew this man. He was acquainted with his difficulties. He knew why he had become ill for 38 years. The Bible says, And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? You see, Jesus knew this man's condition. He knew, and if you look later in the story, we will get to that, but in verse 14, we see Jesus' words imply that this man his sickness came as a result of his personal sins. And we're confirmed in Desire of Ages, page 220, his disease was in a great degree the result of his own sin. This man was crippled for 38 years because of some sin that he was holding on into his life. Sometimes, as we talked about in Sabbath school a little earlier, Sin is pleasurable, but only for a season there is consequence to to the decisions that you and I make, whether for good or for bad. And this decision that the man made cost him 38 years of healthful living. And yet, despite this man's condition, when most of the people during the Passover were focusing on the rituals, Jesus saw this man. Maybe we're going through rituals, but don't forget Jesus sees you. And he knows your experience. He knows everything about you. He knows the pain that you are going through. Others may ignore us. But Jesus hasn't. This man just lay here, lay there. Many times we just lay there in our sins. Miserable. Trying to get out. But every time we try, we fail. And then comes the beautiful words of this man, Jesus Christ. Wilt thou be made whole? Why did Jesus ask such a question? Doesn't it sound dumb? Here's this man, 38 years, he's sick, and here comes an individual. Do you want to be made whole? Why would Jesus ask such a thing? We find a beautiful lesson here that God does not violate your will. He only does that which you permit Him to do. God wants to do tons of things for His church. He wants to do so many things for His people. But He doesn't force anybody. And so we see this question. He's asking permission and also we find a very similar approach that even God used there in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. He says, Adam, where are you? Did he not know Adam's condition? Of course he did. But sometimes God has to ask us questions to help us realize our own condition. Before Jesus can bring healing to this man, before he can do some miraculous thing in his church, we as a people need to realize our true condition. And so Jesus asks us this morning, "Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? You know, sometimes we wait too long. I've known individuals that are alcoholics and they know that they're killing their liver. They know that their their habit is destroying their health. But many of them don't change and don't decide to make a step to recovery until they find out they have liver cancer until they're diagnosed with some terrible terminal disease. Don't wait that long. Jesus' words come to us today. Don't wait to go to those extremes. Don't wait 38 years before you decide to answer those calls. And then we continue reading on the story. In verse 7, how would you respond? What would you say? Look at how this man's response is in verse 7. The Bible says, The impotent man answered him. He must answer him, Yes, I want to be made healed. But look at what he says, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me in to the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Wait a second. Did Jesus ask him for an explanation of why he wasn't healed? Not at all. But we see Jesus asking the question, do you want to be made whole? And this man gives excuses. No one brought me to the pool. But Lord, you know, I tried, and every time I got trampled. Every time, every time I tried and I got a friend to come, then he wasn't able to make it, and I got more and more in despair. I was just hopeless. Sometimes, as a Bible worker, I encounter individuals. They say, you know, there are some people, I just don't feel, you know, I don't want to come to church because no one said hi to me today. Or, you know, the potluck food wasn't that great. Oh, how can I go to that church? We come up with excuses. Maybe that individual, the the, the pastor is not so loving, or so-and-so didn't approach me right, and maybe some of those things could be true. But that's not what Jesus asked. Yes, it was a reality that this man couldn't get to the pool because no one had brought him. But that wasn't the question that Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? And instead of focusing on the solution, the the man focused on his excuses. What do we focus on today? God tells us to do something do we say, I don't have time to exercise, God? I know it's part of the health message, but I just don't have time. I know you want me to go to bed on time, but I just got to do this, I got to do that, I just don't have time. I know the vegetarian vegan lifestyle is the best, but I hate tofu, I hate veggie meat. How can you stand those things? You know all the excuses. Maybe the church board is just not doing what I envision the church to do. We need to come to church and realize our condition. Recognize like they do at those Alcohol Anonymous seminars. I, Philippe Ferreira, am a sinner. I have a problem. Don't make excuses like this man did. Because Paul even says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you think Christ would have just asked this question and left this man hanging? Not at all. Christ's questions, his comments, his commands are enablings. Don't make excuses. Just get up and walk. This man was focusing on his past. But the amazing thing is, Christ didn't stop there. Christ didn't say, okay, next, anyone else? He could have easily done that. If I was Jesus, I might have been tempted to do that. But he doesn't. Look at what Jesus says in verse 8. Then Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Jesus doesn't debate. Jesus doesn't argue with him. He simply says, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. What would you have done if you were this man? You say, Jesus, what are you talking about? Are you trying to make fun of a crippled person? I can't get up. Would he have made any more excuses? If I I only could, okay, Jesus, I would have gone. But nevertheless, the faith without works is dead. And this man obeys to the words of Christ. That is what faith does. In Desire of Ages, page 203, We are told Jesus does not ask this sufferer to exercise faith in him. He simply says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. But the man's faith takes hold upon the word. He takes hold of those words, rise, take up your bed and walk. Every nerve and every muscle thrills with new life and healthful action comes to his crippled limbs. If only we could be there to watch. This man had never gotten up. He could never get to the pool in time. It took him forever. And here at the words of Jesus, all of a sudden, his muscles get nutrition. They become strong instantaneously. They aid his body to go up. And he stands for the first time in a long time. All because... Faith took upon, held on to the words of Jesus Christ. That is what God is calling us to do today. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Sometimes God is telling you to do something, it just seems impossible. For this man, 38 years, walking seemed impossible. But at the obedience of those words... They helped him to experience something that maybe scientifically was impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. What an amazing God we serve today. As we read there in Desire of Ages, new life filled his body. When we as sinners take on to the words of Christ, Christ transforms us. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans. We find this new life described here in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. What is this new life spiritually representing? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Maybe you're struggling with some sin in your life, and Christ is telling us to bury those sins. Give them to Jesus. Confess them and let Him bury them in the depths of the sea. Let Him forgive you and wipe them away so that you can be resurrected just when you enter that baptismal pool and you get dunked under, symbolizing your sins being covered. You get risen in the newness of life. That is the experience that Jesus is offering today. That is what He did to this man, one that was crippled for such a long time. Offered him new life. And turn back with me to John chapter 5. But before we go back there, I want to read you another quote from Desire of Ages, page 203. These words are just so beautiful, the way it describes what happened to this man. We are told by inspiration, do not wait till you you feel you are made whole. Believe his word and it will be fulfilled. Maybe sometimes Satan tempts us with discouragement. You are just not worth it. You are nobody. Look at what you just did. You committed such... Grievous thing. Don't wait till you're made whole. Believe His Word and it will be fulfilled. Put your will on the side of Christ. Will to serve Him and in acting upon His Word, then you will receive strength. When do you receive strength? Before you act? No. When you take that first step, the strength comes. You may not feel like it, but Christianity is not always about feeling. It's about acting upon the Word of God. And then the feeling will come. We know that Christ wants to change our character, our thoughts, and our feelings. So the feeling will be changed. But maybe at times we have to act first. It continues on. Whatever may be the evil practice, the master passion, which through long indulgence, Binds both soul and body. Christ is able and longs to deliver. The words that are describing, Christ longs to deliver. He longs to to see His church be made whole. He longs to be reunited with His sons and daughters in the heavenly kingdom. He longs for you. Maybe you don't long for Him like that. But he's longing for you this morning. Christ is able and longs to deliver. He will impart life to the soul that is dead in trespasses. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He will set free the captive that is held by weakness and misfortune and the chains of sin. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to set us free just as he wanted to set this man free. Are we struggling today? Maybe fighting with some specific sin. I don't know your heart. I'm just a guest speaker. But God does. Maybe you're slipping on your personal devotional life. Maybe your prayer life. Maybe some bad habit or some selfish desire. Whatever it may be. Maybe you just want to despair and lose all hope because your family condition just seems hopeless in your eyes. Maybe you're in financial turmoil. Maybe you just can't break out of your habit, but remember these words. Remember, we have a picture of Jesus bending over. He's bent over to us, and those words come: "Wilt thou me be whole? Rise, take up your bed and walk. Believe His word." Do you want to behold, be made whole this morning? The word of God has the healing power. Not too long ago a couple of years ago I had turned on the television and there was this man saying if you'd only give a donation to this ministry we will send you this prayer handkerchief and if you just take this prayer handkerchief and every time you pray your prayers will be answered and you will be made whole but that's not what the Bible says Jesus made this man whole it was Jesus' words not no prayer handkerchief not no man but Jesus Christ, our mediator, who is also our physician. It is also interesting when you look at the word rise. Oftentimes throughout the Bible, in the Bible not always, but many times it's in the context of someone being dead. Is it not? When you think of uh, when Lazarus was dead, what was the words that Jesus spoke to him? Rise, Lazarus, come forth. Even when Jesus was dead, it it was referred that he too was to be risen again. You see, the reason why Jesus could tell this man, rise, take your bed and walk, is because he too was to die for this man. You see, Jesus doesn't tell you to do anything that he hasn't already done for us. Jesus took on sinful flesh, he took on humanity, yet though he did not sin, he was subject to like passions. And He there suffered on the cross for us and died. And then, while He was resting in the tomb, He then rose up that Sunday morning. And in those words came Jesus' words to this man, Rise! Rise from your dead sins! Rise from your dead bed that you've been laying there for 38 years! That is where we're going to get the strength. When we obey God's words to rise. And brothers and sisters, I guarantee you, if we don't rise today, in newness of life, dead to sins, if we do pass away, we will not rise. When Christ comes the second time and tells us, rise on that resurrection morning. We must learn to rise today. So that if we do pass, He can rise us there at the resurrection. God wants us to get up. Why did Jesus tell this man not only to rise, but to take up his bed? Didn't Jesus know that this was an offense? If you think about it, this man could have even said, but Jesus, you know that the Jews are going to persecute me for doing such a thing. You see, Jesus tells this man to take his bed because his bed was a symbol of the prison life that he was living. Every time he had pain, he would cuddle up there on top of his mat. It was his comfort spot. It's what he could do to contain the pain and the discomfort he was feeling. We even find this illustrated in Job chapter 7, verse 13. Bed is associated with Comfort. What do we do on the bed? We rest. We sleep. If we spend all day, if I sleep my whole day through on my bed, what's going to happen to me? I become lethargic. I become lazy. And so Christ was telling this man, not only rise, but pick up that which has hindered you for 38 years. Get up out of your comfort zone. Get up and do something for me. Jesus wants this man to run to him. To leave the pain and distress because it is through Christ's words that this man would find true rest. The rest wasn't coming laying on his bed. The true rest was found when he acted upon the words of Jesus. And it also illustrates that Jesus doesn't want us to go back to our previous condition. He wants to heal you. But he doesn't want you to see you to go back to that painful years of those of sins that you were holding on. He wants you to live a victorious life. And then, look with me at verse 9 as we end this beautiful story. John chapter 5 and then verse 9, the Bible says, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the Sabbath day was the Sabbath. And on the same day was the Sabbath. When was this man healed? How long did it take? 24 hours for the prescription to kick in? Not at all. Immediately. It was a contrast between the life that he was living for 38 years. Immediately this man was made whole. What do you have to do? Obey Christ's words. Go. Do what he says. You will be made whole you may not feel. But remember, God's promises are enabling and it has happened because Jesus has spoken. What an beautiful, amazing God that we serve. But the story doesn't end there. In verse verse 10, the Bible says, The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. Is it not lawful for thee to carry thy bed? Then in verse 11, he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? Is the life after we respond to Christ's word, is it smooth sailing after that? No. Immediately, this man was encountered with obstacles. His faith was tested one more time. He had a position. He was being accused of breaking the Sabbath. And what is this man's response? What does he say? He answered and said unto them, verse 11, He that made me whole, the same said. So what was he claiming in defense? The word of Jesus. We may be accused of doing things. And this is a warning to us. Maybe there will be new members or new people that we interact from the community may not be at the level that we are at. But be careful how we respond to them. They may not be where you are at, but they are living to all that they know. This man was living to everything that he knew. He just responded to the words of Jesus and he all of a sudden had to experience trials and tribulations. But the remedy for this, when we are faced with tribulation, when we're faced with accusations, claim the word of God. And then we see in verse 14, the Bible says, afterward Jesus findeth him where? In the temple. Doing what? Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Actually, verse 13. And he that was healed wist not which it, who it was, for Jesus had convened himself away, a multitude being in at that place. Verse 14. Afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Where did Jesus find this man? In the temple. He didn't find him back at the pool of Bethesda. He didn't find him on top of his bed moping and groaning, he found him praising God in the temple. He didn't find him at the local bar. He didn't find him in the theater. He found him praising God in his sanctuary. This tells us something. When Christ has given us new life, where are we to be? The safest place is here in his sanctuary. Praising the Lord for what he has done for us. And then comes the words of Jesus. Go and sin no more. It is the exact same word that came to Mary Magdalene. Mary, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Don't abuse the grace that God has given you. Don't go back to your past. Don't go back to your miserable condition. If there are friends or bad habits... Remove them from your life. Pray for those individuals, but if those are going to be a temptation, you've got to remove them. You've got to go to where there is safety, and that is in the presence of God. Hold on to His words. Because Jesus had said, because thou hast been made whole. You see, why would He go back if He was made whole? Why would this man even think of going back to the pain? Because if you go back to your miserable condition, it's worse than if you had ever never gone back. It's better to stay in your miserable condition than to be transformed, experience God's grace, and then to go, to go back. As we see it illustrated in Luke chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. Because... When the unclean spirits have been cast out, and you go back and the house is empty, that's why it's important to fill our temples with something. Whatever you replace, you must bring wholesome things back into your life. Bring the Word of God. Listen to Christian music that uplifts your spirit to the Lord. Change that which was wrong, and fill it with that which is pure and holy. And so we see whole, not here, not only refers to the physical healing, but this man was in need of being forgiven from his sins. That day, not only was he healed physically, but spiritually, the greatest of all blessings, his conscience was clean. Because many diseases are caused because of our bad decisions. And Jesus knew the root of the problem, and Christ today not only wants to heal us physically, but most of all, He longs to heal His people mentally, spiritually, and socially. Every aspect of our being, Christ reaches out, wanting to make us whole. How was the man made whole? By the word of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you want to be made whole, hear the words of God. Hear them in the morning. Hear them at noontime. Hear them in the evening. Saturate yourself with the Word. Meditate upon it. Surround yourself with individuals that will uplift you with the Word of God. Study them. Understand them. Digest them. There we will find the healing that Christ wants to give. The question again comes to us this morning. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Is there anyone here that feels like this man? Maybe you feel imprisoned to your condition, but you recognize that you're sick. Maybe you're struggling spiritually, maybe mentally, maybe physically even Whatever it is, but this morning you hear the word of God and you want to receive the healing. If that is your desire, then obey God's words today. Maybe you haven't in the past, but ask God to give you the power to grab on by faith. Make that decision today in your heart. Don't wait till you leave. Tomorrow it might be too late. Make it today. I don't know your heart but Christ does, and you know. Be honest with yourself. For Christ wants to offer whole healing. If that is your desire, make that decision. That we may be made whole. And filled with the Holy Spirit. That when we leave forth from these doors today, and we walk those streets, that people will not see us, but they will see Jesus. So Christ can pour out of the, the latter rain, and this world then will be transformed. Is that your desire? Is that your desire? Please, make that decision today and join with me as we sing our closing song, number 318. God bless you. Number 318, Whiter Than Snow.